This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. So it is not a EPA plan, is not a federal government plan, is not a state plan. It's a water sector plan that really takes a look at what do we need to do to make water reuse a viable supply of new water in the future. That's Dave Ross, the Assistant Administrator for the Office of Water at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, speaking at the WQA DC fly-in in March. And welcome to WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. Find us at wqa.org on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is episode number 172, and if you're a first-time listener, glad you are here. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any shows. That's the magic of podcasting. In this episode, we'll go back to early March, and you'll be hearing remarks from Dave Ross at the EPA. Dave has more than 20 years of experience working on water issues in both state government and the private sector. He talks about the Water Reuse Action Plan, PFAS, and the lead and copper rule. I think you'll find it quite interesting. We'll also have a regulatory update from Kathleen Burbage, and I'll have our WQA tip. Now on to remarks from the EPA's Dave Ross at the DC Fly-In on WQA Radio. So uh, I wanted to spend maybe 20 minutes giving some high-level remarks. Uh, I'd much prefer to take questions. In fact, if you guys have questions, just cut me off. Um, you know, I, I can, I, uh, as David mentioned, I've, I, our job is to get out and talk, give speeches. Um, I'd rather answer questions. Uh, in fact, we did a session last week where I just sat around a room and just answered questions for an hour. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So if you have a question, whatever the topic, um, I'll try to answer it. If not, I, I know people who know the answers, and so I'll, I'll, I'll get you in the right direction. So I wanted to begin by focusing first on kind of retrospective last month. Uh, last month was Water Month. EPA is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And we kicked off January with the administrator, high level, the agency-wide focus on our 50th anniversary. We'll build the actual anniversary coming up later this year. Uh, The Office of Water was asked to be the first program office to highlight uh, what we're doing, where we've been, progress made, where we're going. Um, I'm a bit biased, uh, but uh, I'm I'm talking to a safe crowd. I think you're all water associations, you know, whether or not it's groundwater, irrigation, water quality association, manufacturers. Um, The administrator spends a lot of time thinking about water. I like to think we're his favorite program, um, uh, but uh, like I said, I'm a little bit biased. But he asked us to kick off the 50th anniversary of EPA and focus on water. And so all of the month of February, we had a series of announcements that came out. Part of that was celebrating success. Uh, the first week, we focused on infrastructure, then we focused on surface water, and then we focused on drinking water, and then we focused on emerging challenges. But we, part, of the, part of the message was we really have come a long way. Whether or not it's the number of community water systems who are being served water that meet all of our requirements all of the time. We've gone from you know, 50 to 60% over the life of the agency to 92% of our communities now are having water delivered that meet all federal standards all of the time. Our surface water 
require, our surface water quality has dramatically improved. You know, back, in long, back in the day, we had rivers on fire, and they, our rivers really were disposal mechanisms. And now we are talking about recreating, fishing, swimming, the number of tens of thousands of miles of streams that are restored, hundreds of thousands of, of lakes, uh, acres of lakes that have been restored, doesn't mean that we don't have more work to do. Obviously, we have work to do. Uh, but we like to take a moment to celebrate our success um, and to say thank you to folks like you. Um, we cannot, as an agency, make progress in this country without our partners and our stakeholders who help us make progress along the way. And so my, my number one point being here is to thank you for your help in that effort. Um, if you don't take the time to thank your partners, I often find the next time you have an ask, you'll have less partners to work with. And, you know, we've taken a uh, – thank you. It's, like, um, it's true. It's odd. Every now and then the federal government likes to say thank you. Um, you know, thank you for your taxpayer dollars that go to Congress and get appropriated to our office to then wheel back out to help do infrastructure out on the landscape. This, that's the way the system works. My job is really to wheel money. The number one priority for the Office of Water is infrastructure investments, taking money that comes from you through Congress, through the Department of Treasury technically, to us back out to you. Um, and so if we don't take the time to say thank you, um, we're not going to have people to work with in the future. Um, we've taken a little bit of criticism for celebrating our success. I think that's really sad. Uh, I've got amazing career people at EPA that dedicate their lives, not just their careers, but their lives, protecting public health and the environment every day. We took the time to celebrate their success, and the news media and the outside world criticized us for that. And that's really disappointing about where we are uh, in that space. Um, if you'll notice, we also, it wasn't just about a retrospective. We made a series of announcements. So we announced, for example, um, the next step in the drinking water uh, space for perfluorinated compounds, PFO and PFAS. I'll talk about that a little bit, but we got the regulatory determination uh, out on the street and proposed, uh, proposed stage a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we announced new lead funding, lead grants that will help protect our children's brains by wheeling money out through a new grant program. Um, had a series of announcements that, you know, nutrient trading. How do we solve excess nutrients in surface waters? We have to tap the environmental markets. And so we provided some funding uh, and an announcement in the Great Lakes region to help us experiment with using creative environmental markets to help solve serious national problems. So I, take a, I recommend that you go to their website, take a look at their series of announcements. Um, but the last thing, in which and David uh, talked about earlier, is the last, the last day... Our last week in the, in the February was to talk about future challenges, and one of our future challenges is water supply, water availability. Got the irrigation districts in here, groundwater folks. Um, we think a lot about what our next source of water is. You know, well drillers, I think you guys are in the room, um, you know, where you need to tap new water supply. Uh, as a country, I am concerned about where we're going, where we're heading as far as water supply, fresh water supply, over the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Um, and I've been working with the Department of uh, Interior, Department of Energy, and a bunch of our federal partners, particularly as you hear out west, you know, what we're hearing that's happening on the Colorado River. We almost had a call on the river that we haven't seen before. Um, and so worked with the, my federal partners about, hey, how do, we, how do we solve our water security resiliency challenges for the future? And Bureau of Reclamation said, well, hey, Dave, help us find some more water. I'm like, I know where we can find more water. We dispose of 340 or 50 billion gallons a day in this country. And so EPA announced uh, last Thursday uh, a water use national action plan, national water use action plan. 
it was it's a plan for the water sector built by the water sector for the water sector. So it is not a EPA plan, is not a federal government plan, is not a state plan. It's a water sector plan that really takes a look at what do we need to do to make water reuse a viable supply of new water in the future. Not necessarily today, but what research do we need? What technology do we need? Uh, what regulatory frameworks might we need? Um, the list goes on and on. And so EPA saw the need about a year ago, announced that we were doing this, work with the water sector to build this plan, and then put the plan live last week. And this isn't your standard, glossy, really cool-looking plan. It's, it's transparent, accountable, milestones, real actions, 80 partners, 30 leads, uh, 11 major thematic areas, 200 milestones, and that's just the beginning. So if you go to our website, it's an online platform, we will lay out exactly what we're doing to look for new supplies of water and solve the water reuse challenge in this country. We're looking for volunteers to help us. It was a call to action. Uh, it's still a call to action. This is, this is an organic document that will help lay the framework for what we look, think about how we manage water resources for the next 20, 30 years. We've identified a series of actions that we need to do in the, in the short term and the medium term, but we're looking for partners to help us solve the problem. So if you guys are in the technology space, for example, or irrigation, drip irrigation, versus, you know, kind of spray irrigation, think about more efficient ways to use water, think about how you can reuse water uh, back out into the, you know, the agricultural landscape or landscaping uh, world. That is what this action plan is about. So take a look at it. We really invite you to participate. Um, it didn't get covered much. Um, there are a few folks that wrote about it. That's why I want to spend some time talking to about it today. Um, it was three cabinet officials and a series of senior leaders, both from private and public sector. The governor participated. It didn't get covered because it's good news. This is a very serious challenge for the future. This administration is taking water supply resiliency um, seriously put together a plan to help solve long-term problems, and it was like crickets in the media. I take that is that we nailed it. Um, we, we got it right. Because um, if it's not bad news, they're not going to report it. So I have to talk about it. I encourage you to go to our website, the Water Reuse Action Plan. Get involved. David knows how to get involved. Um, it, is a, it is a major initiative for us for the next several decades. Um, all right, PFAS. Uh, I direct you to the website again. We... we uh, issued over the last couple of weeks um, uh, our annual first annual update to our PFAS action plan. PFAS is here. Obviously, it has been up on the hill. This is a congressional summit, and I, I suspect as you go to the hill, you'll hear PFAS, 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 PFAS. Um, EPA, my number one message is EPA is taking this new challenge very, very seriously. We developed the PFAS action plan. Uh, now, two years ago, um, the beginning of it, we had a leadership summit, worked with the stakeholders to develop a plan. You'll notice a variation on a common theme I just talked about. Developed an action plan, went live with it last year, last February 2019, and then committed the agency to taking a series of steps to address this emerging challenge. And it's not just drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, drinking water. Um, it is a multifaceted, multimedia challenge, and the agency is using all of its resources to address it. Um, the Office of Water um, had to uh, stepped up, took the lead in drafting the plan. Um, you needed one, one office, one leader to really step up and take it, and our drinking water program developed the action plan. Our job now, though, once it was up and live, 
we transitioned it back to the administrator's office to implement. And it's accountable. We meet all the time. We report to the administrator. Where are we on our metrics? Where are we? What do we say we we're going to do? Where are we on that plan? If we didn't hit a target, why didn't we hit the target? Um, that is how we're reporting to the administrator on a regular basis. I check in with him every couple of weeks. He's always asking me, where are we on our plan? So that, that the update that we put out a couple of weeks ago or last week really lays out where we are on our plan. Accountability, transparent accountability. You put yourself out there. Um, we, are, we are not afraid to put ourselves out there what we know, what we don't know, what we're working on to solve the gaps. For us in the drinking water space, we uh, really kind of before you can really grapple with how do you take, take on PFAS, you have to be able to see it. You have to be able to monitor it. And so we developed uh, new technology to identify new forms of PFAS in the water column. And we put a new method out there, it's method 533 and 537.1. It's effectively methods that allow us now to see about 30 of these compounds pretty um, accurately in labs that you can afford. We can see PFAS in really high-end labs, but for the folks in this room who use uh, consultants to go sample your wells, for example, you have to be able to afford um, the sampling. So we've developed new methodologies to be able to see PFAS. We, put, uh, we committed to taking the next step in the Safe Drinking Water Act process for establishing regulations for PFO and PFAS, that are the two most studied uh, chemicals. Um, that regulatory determination, proposed regulatory determination, positive proposed regulatory determination is out on the street. It will be, as soon as it hits the Federal Register, it will be out for public comment. Please look. Please comment. Um, you know, this is the next step in whether or not you decide to do a, a maximum contaminant level um, and regulate under the Safe Drinking Water Act. Make sure we got the science right. Make sure we've identified the science. Science is leading this issue for us, um, despite what you might hear. Um, we really do rely heavily on the career scientists to tell us what we need to do. Um, the, uh, that will be out for about a 60-day public comment period. Uh, I also ask you to take a look at, there are a couple of things in the regulatory determination proposal on how do we think about, how do you grapple with classes of compounds that may not be in every water system in this country. The Safe Drinking Water Act is a national legislation, national rule, national law. How do you develop nationwide regulations for chemicals that may only be in uh, one or two percent of our water systems. And so we have put some ideas out there uh, on the street um, to, to how to grapple with that issue going forward. Take a look, let us know what you think. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, um, so per, by the way, I could go on and on and on. This is a multi-hour discussion on PFAS. Um, I, you know, we're, you know, we're, by the way, biosolids, we're researching it. Um, you know, what do you do if you can take it out of a water column, take it out of the groundwater, uh, treat it, uh, and transfer PFAS to another environmental media? Well, how do you dispose of it? We're researching it. It doesn't really do us much good if you can take it out of one environmental media and put it into another and create another problem 10 years from now. That is poor government. It, we may not be moving fast enough on every particular issue, but we're working holistically on all of the issues. So that because on this particular uh, chemical, if you don't know how to dispose of it, you may just transfer the, media, transfer the problem to another media. So our air folks are looking at how do you burn this stuff up. Our solid waste folks are looking at how this, uh, what happens when you apply it to the ground, all of the above. So PFAS will be with us for a long time, but we're transparent about it. So I go on the web, take a look at the, uh, the action plan update, and let us know how we're doing. Um, and people will, we're all critics in today's world. Um, in this space, that's fine. Tell us what we need to do better. 
Um, tell us what, but tell us if we're heading down the right path. So we also need, you know, kind of encouragement about if we're doing the right things. We need to know that, not just, you know, we're not moving fast enough. Um, trust me, we're moving with all deliberate speed on this issue. Um, lead and copper, another big ticket rulemaking uh, that uh, that was um, too long in coming. Uh, I, you know, I, when I was sworn in, and it was, uh, it, it feels like eight, David. Um, it's actually two years, a little over two years, but it feels like eight years because um, the, the Office of Water Portfolio is so large. But the lead and copper rule is a rule that needed modernization a long time ago. Um, for example, in our proposed rule that we put on the street in fall, we don't have a national inventory of lead service lines. That's the number one source of, of lead in drinking water. And we don't, with specificity, uh, know what our infrastructure is. And that is something that I think we probably, you know, if, if, if we could go back in time, uh, I think people will say we probably should have done an inventory a lot sooner so we can cost out what our real issue is. How do you solve this problem if you don't actually know the shape and the scope of the problem? So we put a proposal out there to close that gap. Uh, we also put a proposal out there in fall to modernize the way we do um, sampling protocols. Uh, makes it much harder to test out if you have a problem. Um, we solved the problem about partial lead service line replacements. Um, that's really not a great idea. Uh, and so if you take a line out, you got to take the whole line out, whether or not it's public-private, and we sort of close that gap. I spent a lot of time thinking about how to protect our kids where they spend most of their time, and that's schools. Uh, and that has been a gap on the lead, uh, lead line issue or sort of the lead exposure issue. How, how do we make sure that we do some sampling in schools to know what our kids are being exposed to in their schools where they spend a lot of their time? So we put the proposal out in fall. It was, you know, it was a 10-year, you know, it was a laborious, you know, kind of long-term rulemaking. By the time I got sworn in a couple of years ago, I was it, just get it done. Um, we had big working groups, you know, hundreds of people in the regions, and everyone gets together on an issue like this. You can keep talking yourself around in circles and never go anywhere. That's government bureaucracy at its finest. And so I put people on a shot clock said, get it done. And so we put a proposal out on the street. Um, uh, the comment period closed, I think, in the last couple of weeks. I saw a major surge coming in on email. Um, whoa. Um, but uh, but I think we're about 100,000 comments that we will we, that that we've already counted. Um, I think we you know we're kind of uh, cataloging those. Our commitment is to get that lead and copper rule done this summer. Um, it is a heavy lift to go through 100,000 comments on a really complicated rule and finalize it. Um, but uh, we need your help. Um, I know the folks in this room that build uh, point of use uh, uh, filters uh, that ha they have a role to play. They will have a role to play. They have had a role to play. Um, you know, corrosion control is still the way to solve a multi-hundred, you know, billion-dollar problem in this country, probably, um, until we can get our lead service lines out. So, corrosion control: how do you control lead in the system, in the line, so it doesn't actually come out of lead pipes? Is still, you know, is still really an important control mechanism for us. As we do work in a house or work on a street, we need the point-of-use filters to, if there's a little episodic increase in lead exposure or particulate matter, it's important to have those uh, added protections there. And we've, we're trying to give our communities the, the tools and the resources uh, and more the air cover to use things like that. So um, we're going to take all the comments seriously uh, and then try to seriously work to deliver on a promise that we made, which is to get this thing done.
And that was Dave Ross, Assistant Administrator for the Office of Water at the U.S. EPA, speaking at the WQA fly-in in March. We had a great turnout of WQA members in Washington just ahead of the COVID-19 crisis. If you'd like to get involved next year, watch for information on the WQA Government Affairs webpage. This is Kathleen Burbage, WQA's Regulatory and Government Affairs Manager with your regulatory update. WQA's Regulatory Database Advisory Task Force meets every two months to maintain and add two member resources, such as the Online U.S. Regulatory Database and the International Resources Report. New reports on Sweden and Malaysia have been reviewed and will be added to the International Resources Report to give you information on each country's regulatory landscape as it pertains to water treatment technologies. There are now 25 countries covered within the overall report. You can check out these tools and more by going to the Regulatory Affairs page off of WQA.org. I'm Kathleen Burbage for WQA Radio. And now our WQA tip. Continue to check out the coronavirus resources on the WQA website. We've got new information on the Paycheck Protection Program and other resources, a video that steps you through the various pages. We've got a uh, a resource called COVID-19 and drinking water. All of this is available at wqa.org slash coronavirus. Education is available as well. Our Live virtual education sessions that were held in April are all recorded and available for on-demand playback. You'll be able to see the recorded sessions throughout the year by going to wqa.org convention, clicking on the education tab. If you did not register for convention or for those sessions, you can still do so. Uh, they are terrific resources for you and your entire team and uh, even better deal. Join WQA. Become a member now and you'll get free access to all of that terrific education. Again, join now for access to that great education. Go to wqa.org slash membership. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.